Hey guys, it's just a fight. Hey, what's going on, guys? Here at the Swamp, getting ready to beat LSU. Y'all tune in to the Rule Number One podcast on Monday. You know, we're getting really good at having people on that their voice sounds familiar to our intro. Yeah, I know. If uh, <laughs> if you didn't catch that last little voice, uh, it's Brock Hutchinson, and he was a cheerleader at the uh, University of Florida. We Which had him awesome. on. Yeah, we had him on uh, very early, um, and the time has arisen. There was uh, a change in career paths um, for Brock, and so we're having him back on. And he is a player development assistant for the Detroit Detroit Tigers now. Welcome in, Brock. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I don't think uh, cheerleading was going to go much farther past, uh, <laughs> past uh, Florida, but uh, yeah, no, I, um, I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing now. It's kind of what I've always wanted to do, so happy <laughs> that uh, making it happen. So. Inside the MLB machine. That's right, man, in the organized <laughs> chaos that I like to call it now. I it's totally awesome. agree. I, I started my job this past week with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you hit it nail on Hammer on nail, right on the head with organized chaos. Um, it's awesome, though. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, it's really cool to be inside, I guess, the operation and the the business that is MLB baseball. You know, as a fan sitting from the outside, you sit back and say, all right, this, there ain't too much going on here. There's just guys going out and playing um, oh, six days a week in the regular season. But, it, like, once you get inside and you see how many moving pieces there are from, you know, analyst to scouts to managers to players to operations to marketing to sales it's a whole business and it is really cool to see it yeah i'm hoping we can kind of bring that out to the people at home yeah i think like the biggest thing is you don't understand like the operations that go on uh behind the scenes yeah like that's definitely like the the biggest thing that i've been like learning and like trying to get a full grasp on Mm -hmm. um you definitely just are like, okay, like they get these great baseball players, they get good contracts, and then they go play. And it's yeah. like, oh, like this is sick. And it is sick, but it's just like there are – that's like point A, B, then C, but there are just so many different things in between all of those different points that like you've got to learn and get used to. So it's cool. It's definitely cool. Definitely. Before we get into, uh, you know, the Tigers and being with the Flying Tigers uh, in Lakeland, I want to get into a little bit. You went to Baltimore right out of uh, college, right? And did you do like an internship or what was that experience like? So I went to Philadelphia. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to Philadelphia. Um, I went there to, I had to get an internship to graduate. So that could have been anything of my choice um, in the business side of things. I don't mean to interrupt you, yeah, but good. I'm pretty sure we caught it, covered it in episode four. That's what it was. Episode four, mm-hmm. you majored in what again at the University of Florida? I majored in, uh, majored in business administration. I okay. specialized in sports management. Okay, okay. So, yeah, had to, had to go get an internship. Um, yeah, I was like, just got to get this thing going in sports. So, yeah. uh, one of my uh, buddies that I played with at Eckerd College, mm-hmm. he worked for, he was actually a player dev assistant for the Orioles in uh, Sarasota. Uh, Cameron Zilly. Um, so I hit him up at the time. He was still with the Orioles, but he was about to go to a scent, a scent athlete. So um, talked to him a lot, man. I, I learned so much from him about like um, just the nuance of the nuances of just data in baseball and like how it translates to the field and like what actual like 
front office guys are looking for in players rather than just like when we're going to watch a game and we're like, oh, that guy's good. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not so much anymore of just like, this guy throws 100. Like, it's got to be good. But nah, like he's got to have good shapes. He's got to have good pitch design and you know, things like that. But anyways, before I get, I get into all that, Cam – you know, kind of like taught me all that stuff and mm-hmm. understanding data and what to look at and things like that. So um, once he got a spot as a uh, director of pitching at Ascent, he was like, hey, do you want to come intern with me there? I was like, dude, yes, like, let's let's do it. Um, so I went up there, guaranteed three months, uh, and then I was going to come back and graduate and walk at University of Florida. After two months there, uh, they offered me a full-time spot, um, so which was great. I mean, I really wanted to come back to Florida, you know, but I was like, you know, I like, this is going to be a good spot for me. So, um, ended up taking that. I, uh, got to work with, um, just numerous pro guys. So, um, quick, quick background on Ascent. Ascent, um, the owner of Ascent work is an agent for the Ballinger Group. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of his clients come and train at our place and stuff like that. So I got to work with them. And then on top of that, you know, we got a lot of amateur players as well, a lot of tons of college guys, high school guys, stuff like that. And it's all based upon um, the PDP program, the player development program. So they would come in and we would uh, try to get the best results out of them. And, um, yeah, basically that's where I learned a lot, just a ton on the player development side. And that was a lot of one-on-one working, which was great. Um, So from there – um, yeah, did my six to seven months of full-time work with them, and then I came back here and got my job with the Tigers. Sounds that's like awesome. a heck of a journey. I will say that's the one thing I've noticed in working in professional sports is the amount of people that have taken risks to leave away from home to get their start in the field. You know, I was lucky enough to find Bradenton, which is, I think, an hour and a half away from my hometown. But, like, my coworker, um, he's from New York. So he comes down from New York to work in Bradenton. Um, one of them is from Maryland. She comes down to work, and she's head of the box office and spring training ticket sales. Um, my boss is actually from, I believe, the North Carolina area. At least that's where she went to school, and now she's in Bradenton. So that is one thing I have realized with professional sports. You have to have that you know, free kind of mindset, like, hey – I think I'm going to take an opportunity or a chance here and the doors open so many more places if you go do that. Ascend's really cool. I actually checked out their website when Nate told me you were coming on the show. The amount of, like, I guess, detail that goes into your athletes up there, no wonder you guys have the track record you do and produce some of the names that you've produced. Um, Do you kind of want to go into a little bit, like, of the, you know, data that you were taking up there on these athletes. You don't have to name names. I saw some really cool names on that website. Yeah, um, I don't know if you worked with them, but right. um, it's kind of cool what you did up there. I kind of want to learn a little bit more about it. For sure. So um, I guess I can give you an example, especially off the hitting side real quick, to becoming a household name, uh, Chaz McCormick. Yep. Uh, center fielder for the Astros. Um, yeah, so basically – he, he's uh, working with Jeff Rendazzo, which is our uh, owner there. And he would come in. He would go upstairs. I'm just giving you like a day-to-day for him. He'd go upstairs, get warmed up. He'd go get his lift in. 
he would actually use our lifts, but you come to realize that a lot of organizations want their players, you know, to use their stuff. Mm-hmm. Some don't care, some do, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, really, man, it's like, if it's all the same, yeah. it's all about the same It's all stuff. trained in the same spots. Right, like our guys have trained multiple, I say our guys, the Scent has uh, trained multiple, multiple professional athletes. So it's like, you know, the organizations know that, like, it's reliable. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and they, they're in contact. So, um, Chaz would go upstairs. He'd, he'd get his lift in using our stuff. Um, he would uh, get in all of his agility work, whatever that may be, uh, depending on where he's at in the offseason, too. If he had just finished the season, especially at the beginning, you know, kind of toned down. You mm-hmm. know, he's just moving, right? Like, yeah. he's just kind of... Just stay in shape. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, he just came off 162-game season plus playoffs. You know, it's like... I would not be there. Uh, dude, I'd be I in my Cancun or something. Like, you know, like, the, right. I'd be chilling on a beach waiting yeah. for the next season, next training to start. That's right. the difference between him and you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's the one playing right. in the big leagues. <laughs> right. But, yeah, so he would do that. Then he would come uh, downstairs. Well, actually, I'll say this. For, like, two or three weeks, like, he's only working out. Like, he's not he's not touching a bat. Okay. Rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, with the organization, he swung every single day. So, yeah. You know. Taking some time off for sure. But then by the time he wanted to crank things back up, you know, it's a gradual progression of uh, just literally for the first couple of weeks, just like flips and plyos and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So when I say plyos, it's like uh, basically these like weighted, um, almost like sand, like rubber balls, basically. Um, but it's all trying to work on like your contact and trying to have like uh, the best bat to ball skills that you can. Get, like you're not trying to hit them you're not trying to crush them obviously you take full swings but like it's all about bat, your bat to ball skills yeah stuff like that so he would do stuff like that and always trying to create like random training and what i mean by random training is you want it's not just like a flip like in front like you like we would do it in high school just like exactly just to like, get swings in just like yo like go get loose yeah and you're just like okay here's some flips here's 30 mile an hour BP, like, okay, let's go play a game. Like, nah, man, like, that's not, that's not how you get better. You never see that. No. You know what I'm saying? No, so, um, even for him, if he wasn't getting into, like, overhand yet or, like, machine work yet, like, we would move uh, L screen, like, over to the side, right? He would get angled flips. Um, sometimes, like, depending on if he was working on certain things to work on timing, like, he would get balls bounced to him, right? Like, just different things to see different, you know, like, yeah. understanding that, like, seeing different things will always be better than just, like, the normal. Repetitive routine. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So, that like, that's, like, his, you know, uh, recovery training, trying to get back to, like, okay, now it's, like, time to get locked in. Season's coming up. Um, I'd say for him, man, like, what I learned is uh, for Chaz, like, on the data side, like, especially when you're at that level, like, we're not really, like, taking a lot of his metrics. and I mean, yeah, but maybe we'll, like, check to see, like, we'll get him on the blast, which is, like, a sensor that you put on the knob of your bat, mm-hmm. trying to see, like, um, we want to see your bat speed. We want to see your on-plane efficiency, stuff like that. Yeah, maybe we're checking that just to make sure that, like, everything is good, right? I mean, this guy was, like, he had, like, the second best OPS against uh, fastballs last year. So, like, <laughs> he, he's unreal good, dude. He's, yeah. he's awesome. So, I mean, with that being said, it's not like we need to, like, oh, dude, you got to train this, 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 this. You're not like, okay, we've got a good routine from the past couple off seasons. Like, you're climbing towards the top. Let's 
let's just keep working on that. Yeah. Continue doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. If right. it ain't broke, don't fix exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. But then you have guys like uh, Kevin McGonigal. He was just taking, he's actually with the Tigers, uh, which is cool. Um, I get to see him all the time, but he needs to train uh, bat speed, right? Like mm-hmm. his bat speed has got to come up. I think he was probably, uh, league average is probably like uh, 72 mile an hour. And he was probably like high 60s. Okay. So we needed to get his uh, bat speed up. Uh, he has really good bat to ball skills and he's on plane forever. So um, all of that's good. If we can just generate more pop, you know, this yeah. guy's going to be in the big leagues in a couple of years. Right. So um, with him, it's okay. Uh, we need to have, make sure that we're testing him probably every four weeks. Um, and then in addition to that, like his programming looks like, uh, Monday come in, hopefully you rested over the weekend, but Monday you come in, let's do uh, speed sluggers, which is basically like, uh, a, like a simulated bat with like a weight on the end and you swing, um, like really, really hard. Right. And repetitively, maybe even like back and forth, just trying to like train those up. muscles. Yep, yeah. Strengthen, strengthen up as much as possible. And then from there you go into like a recovery day. And then uh, the next day we'd have axe bats, which is basically like an overload, underload, mm-hmm. right? So you swing the heavier bat, then you swing a lighter bat to move fast, right? Um, so that would be like the next day and then another recovery day and then maybe Friday, like competition, uh, stuff like that. But with him, like we were able to see like, okay, dude, the, like our blast and the technology that we have and like our, our hit tracks and 40 motion and stuff like that. Like we were able to see like, okay, like he is tracking, like he, he is swinging the bat harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he was a fun project because like Chaz is great. Obviously he's so good, but like he's in his routine. Like we talked about, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, there's nothing to change, right? Nothing to work yeah. on or figure out. Yeah. It's like, dude, do your thing. Maybe, maybe we like, by the time he gets to like machine work, there's like a breaking ball they struggled with and we want to yeah. like, you know, be like, okay, like changes approach. Let's change our approach yeah. to this. Like, Oh, like you're hitting that, like you're getting a lot of base hits to the right side when you're trying to like hit the sweeper coming in from the righty. But like, if we actually try to go get that out and further out in front and we would have data to back it up, we'd be like, you're crushing that to left field for homers. And yeah. at, at the end of the day, man, like hitting the ball on the ground, bad. Right. We oh yeah, exactly. Anyway, you know Especially with how home runs are valued nowadays. Guys can yeah. hit two forty <laughs> but have forty five home runs right. and they're gonna get a big time contract. Exactly. Like that's what people want to see when you go to the ballpark. Home yeah. runs sell tickets. Exactly, right. So uh, yeah, and they keep your job, that's for sure. Yes. So uh yeah, man. With him, like that's definitely something that like you you would kinda like I don't know, put try to put the puzzle pieces with, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. put it together. But for the most part, you know, he's got his, he's got his swing. He's, he's doing his thing, you know. Um, but Kevin, Kevin was a fun one to work with. He, he was uh, definitely trained a lot. And a lot of the other, like, minor league guys, too, or, you know, they're, they know that they need to either swing harder, they need to get their swing decisions correctly, you know what I'm saying, like, stuff like that. So you're, you're always just working on that random training, trying to do stuff like that. So that's the hitting side. Yeah. Um, and then for me also on the pitching side, I was when I first came in and I was doing I was an intern, I was in the pitching side probably more than I was in the hitting side, because uh, I was working with Cam. Mm-hmm. So when I was over there, that was when I got to learn like how to uh, use plyos on the pitching side of things, how to give different how to understand like what players need to develop certain things in their mechanics and things like that. Um just through different plyo routines and 
trying to uh, gain velocity and things like that. So, yeah, that was really cool. And then by the time it was, like, bullpen time or, like, lives or stuff like that, getting to look at, like, TrackMan data and understanding, like, okay, like, these movement profiles aren't correct and we've got to see, like, how that we can make a uh, obscure pitch. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you're throwing something that everybody's seen, it's going to be easy to hit, right? Right. So, you know, that's where things become uh, the term is dead zone. So, like, if you're throwing a fastball and it's somewhere from 13 to 15 inches, of, if you're stock, let's just say you're stock righty, right, and you're throwing um, a fastball that has 13 inches uh, to 15 inches of horizontal. and um, Which is insane, by the way, for, like, an average amateur baseball player to see that. Right. But it's normal on a big league level. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, if it has, like, 13 inches to 15 inches of, like, horizontal and vertical movement, it's deemed uh, dead zone just because like it's not it doesn't look deceptive right so you want to be a guy that either can um hug i mean it's all individual like everybody has their individual uh, profiles right because sometimes a dead zone fastball can work for a guy that generates a ton of sweep and has like another two scene because it's deceptive off of like his main usage pitched yeah. right. um Especially but, if it's coming from the exact same arm slot and everything. Exactly, too. right. So, um, but usually, like, a dead zone fastball won't play because, you know, that's what guys see every day. So, or hitters see. So, learning how to, like, change stuff like that, understanding, like, grips are, like, so important and, like, how to uh, manipulate where you want to throw the ball and how you want it to get. That was huge when I started working at pitching and doing stuff like that. Yeah, and a little bit of background about Brock, which we talked about the first episode, um, or the first time we had him on, is he was a pitcher and hitter in high school, too, and then went on to college, and you never pitched in college, did you? Uh, no. <laughs> That's what I was about to say, I didn't think so. Um, but it's also cool to see, you know, with high school, you had experience with both of them, right. and, you know, you were fairly good at both of them and be able to go play college. Um and so it's cool to be able to think back and be like, okay, as a pitcher and as a hitter, what were things that helped me? And then things that you learned along your career path that help you develop guys that were a little bit, a uh, little bit better than you at the time. Dude, you don't know how many times I've sat there and I've been like looking at the training and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, if I had this, man, <laughs> if I had this, dude, that's what I want to get into a little bit too, man. So we, you graduated in 2018, 2018, 2018, 2018. 2017. So we're all in the same little era there. Man, the amount of technology, I wanted to kind of take a step back because, you know, you mentioned a lot of things like Trackman, Bats, or not by Blast, whatever Blast. you said. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, stuff like that. These are all technologies that were developed kind of right when we were graduating high school um, and going into college. You know, some of these colleges like where we played at couldn't afford that kind of stuff. So it was still the old school mentality of, hey, you're struggling with the curveball. We're going to set up the machine on curveball. You're just going to see it over and over again until you hit it. But, like, the amount of tech that goes in to baseball now is crazy. Like, the TrackMan system tracks every single aspect of a pitch. So, for our non-baseball listeners, if there was a pitcher on the mound and he threw, let's just say, a two-seam fastball, which normally is your fastball that moves to your arm side, it will that TrackMan system will track how far the ball moved how many rates per second it spins, um, the location of the pitch, everything you can think of goes in, and that that system will shoot it out. Same with the blast system that goes on the end of the bat. It will tell hitters, 
you know, your hands dropped a little bit here and you're on this plane through the zone with your bat. And it's a lot of information that can help guys grow throughout the game. And it's crazy because that's all came, you know, so rapidly and so fast, but it's used so much and so in depth in Major League Baseball now that like every single team has that technology to make their guys better. And that's just something we didn't have growing up. It's kind of crazy to think about all that tech goes into baseball. Yeah, I will say, you know, everybody knows about high school baseball. I mean, we all played it. Like, a lot of people, whether you played baseball or not in high school, you know about the baseball team. And, you know, it's fun and everything like that. Once you get out of high school baseball, I feel like baseball becomes a business. And job. whether whether you are a, you know, uh, NAIA guy or a D2 guy or a D1 guy, it's all about – Honestly, making money. And whether you're at the NAIA, you are bringing money into the school, and so they allow a certain amount of scholarships. And if, you, if you're just trying to fill roster spots, and they'll give guys low, at least for a small school like NAIA, they're trying to bring in more money to the school on you know people paying mm-hmm. tuition. So they'll offer little scholarships, and the guys that just want to hang on to that dream and still playing college baseball, whether they're sitting on the bench or not, it's all a business. Yeah. And so whenever you get to those D1s or minor leagues or whatever, and you get these actual – resources and Jake Fox talks about it too where he could sit on a machine and he could pick out any pitcher and the you know professional system and he could hit off of them same arm slot same whatever however same spin rate whatever he wants he can set it so you know say he can get in the box and there's Randy Johnson and he wants to hit off of Randy's Johnson 100 mile an hour fastball with run he can do that and so my point this is once you get out of high school, everything becomes about making money, and that's what I feel like a lot of athletes have issues with of staying involved in the game and staying connected because it becomes a business, and a lot of it. And that weeds out a lot of players, kind of like we've made a couple of notes mm-hmm. about, um, you know, well, if I was in his shoes or if yeah. I had this technology, and it's like, you know, nowadays these guys absolutely love it, and they have to be able to get better with all the technology that they have. Yeah. I just I'm just trying to wrap my mind around about all the tech that goes into baseball now. Yeah. I just think like the biggest thing about it now, man, is like the immediate feedback. Yeah, it's so quick. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, I can go. I mean, taking my development for instance, right? It's like okay, probably went to a lesson, may or may not got some video, may or may not. Let's say I did. Okay, and then you go and you go watch it, and you're like, okay, like. I remember when coach said, make sure that you get your hands put to this slot. And then when we come here, make sure elbows tucked in. And then you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that is just not the proper way of training, especially now, man. Like that ain't it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just not. So, um, it's all about like, you know, I mean, when when you're younger and you're uh, uh, until you're like probably 12 or 13 years old, um, or just depending on how you develop as a kid, you know, um, you know when it's time, but it's all about moving fast and letting your body organize itself, right? And, like, once you understand that and um, you really are moving fast, like, that's when you see the results and understanding your body, right? Like, I just feel like the biggest, one of the biggest things that I've learned from ascent, at least, and being able to work in development is, like, a player that doesn't take working out seriously or like getting their agility right, or just being strong enough, 
and you knock your chances of making it so far down, like it's not even funny. And like that sounds so obvious, right? Yeah. Like that sounds like, dude, yeah, of course. Like all these guys that you see in the MLB or minor leagues, they're jacked. But like, dude, it's you when you're working it and you see like all these kids come in and they just like don't take it seriously and stuff like that. Well, they're not going to understand. It's like they want to they want to hit. They're like, okay, my hitting's not good. My hitting's not hit. Like all this and that. And you're like, well, dude, you don't understand what the problem is because you don't have a feel for your body, right? You don't have, like, the muscle to, like, feel like, okay, like, I'm not putting enough force into the ground, like, when I go to swing. Or I'm not putting enough, generating enough force down the slope when I'm pitching, right? Mm-hmm. When, you ha- when you have, like, got the muscle on you and you've gotten stronger, like, you feel that. Mm-hmm. You understand your body more. Yeah. So, um that's definitely something I've I've learned, and it's like you even hear it from players, man. Like they'll come back from like a couple off seasons, and they'll be like, "Dude, two years ago, like I wanted to take a million swings and work on this one flaw, but like the last two off seasons, I've taken all that time to like really just get after it in the gym, and like now I just move fast and organize, you know, like let my body organize, and like that is something like that I've seen." I will say when we were in high school and a lot of, you know, our buddies were getting recruited and we were trying to figure out, um, you know, development and, you know, getting bigger, getting stronger, you know, we're all the kind of scrawny high school kids just starting to lift, figuring everything out. And a big thing was pitchers should not bench press. As a development developmental guy now in the big leagues, how true is that? That's not. Yeah, that's, I didn't think that was true either. That's old school thinking, yeah. man. Like, uh, I mean, this was big too. Yeah, like, like every pitcher would say, "I'm a pitcher. I'm not bench pressing." That makes, dude. I mean, like, I'm not sitting my here. My shoulders. <laughs> I like spoken I'm, like a true pitcher. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not sitting here saying that like a pitcher should like get under like they shouldn't be bench pressing like all the time. Obviously, yeah, it's taxing on your upper half. Like, sure, but like. Getting stronger will never hurt you, right? <laughs> you're taking care of your body. You're taking care of your body, and you will be okay. But, like... If anything, it's protecting your, you know, the valuable shoulders, like your rotator exactly, cuff and everything, right? building exactly. muscle. Yeah, so you have to take care of your body, right? Um, I think one of the biggest things, and t- Tom Brady, like, really put this out there, and, like, it, it pliability. And it's just, like, the ability to... Um, you know, recover and make sure that your body is, you know, healthy. <laughs> I think that mixed with like getting after it, dude, bench press, it's, it's fine. You know, there's, I mean, like if you, if you want to say bench press is bad, then why aren't we talking about like, okay, like landmines are bad, right? Like a landmine is like you squat with the bar in your hand. It's like, you know how the, the bar will be sticking into the side of the, mm-hmm. yep. of the rack and then you like squat and you press it above your head. Like, I see pitchers doing that all the time, and they don't say nothing about that. Like, what's wrong with that? You know, it's like, how am I going to train my upper half? Like, you got to lift, but you have, you have to be pliable. You have to, you have to take care of your body. You've got to make sure that, like, you have, like, mobility, being able to, like, uh, it is huge. Like, you could have a guy that uh, lifts the house, man, has tree trunk legs, and puts, like, just so much force into the ground right like when they go to throw or hit or something like that but if you aren't mobile kiss it goodbye like especially for pitcher i mean for it's equally important for both but like on the pitching side of things like 
you've got to be able to get into your scaps, right? You have to be able uh, to get proper layback. You have to be able to internally rotate the pelvis and make sure that you're moving down the slope, like, efficiently. Um, and you want to do it freakishly, too. You know, it's like if you're doing it efficiently, okay, you're probably a college baseball player. You'd be abnormal. You'd be above average. You've got to be abnormal. Yeah. You yeah. have to be abnormal. Yeah. That is like one of the biggest things, also, is like you have to be abnormal. You can't. I mean, I mean there's just, I mean, what you guys heard growing up, man, like, oh, there's only like the small percent of players that make it. And it's so true. Why? Because they're abnormally gifted and they work yeah. hard, you know? And on top of that, you have so many cookie cutter players and you have so many that are above average high school baseball players and they get the chance to go play college baseball and that's great and you make a bunch of memories and this and that but there are so many of those guys we'll just take pitchers for example there are so many right-handed pitchers that throw 90 miles an hour that can locate averagely and that have about average off-speed stuff will they get drafted maybe but the chances of them actually successfully going up and making the league is very slim. It's because there's so many guys that are just like, they're good, but that's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. the abnormalities. I mean, you talk about Pat Neshek, you know, submarine guy. I mean, different guys like that, that it's something that's completely different. And if you can be different in the way you perform and be effective at it, it's something that the world hasn't seen before. And it's like, okay, Boom. As a pitcher standpoint, at least, it's like, boom, let's throw him in, see what he's got. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the more stock you get, the worst yeah. chance you have. No, trust me. Yeah. Dude, I'm a, I was a 5'10", <laughs> right-handed hitting catcher. <laughs> How many of those are in, like, not just the United States, but the world? That's like yeah. that's like 10% of the population right there, like 5'10 catchers. Yeah, man. It's it, like, you, have to, you have to do stuff to separate yourself, and it's crazy. You know, I probably didn't have the work ethic that, you know, I should have sometimes. <laughs> I've been it. I was a little lazy when it came to it. But I did en- enough, which is my problem, I guess. I did enough to be a starting catcher at a college. Um, and that was, like, kind of my goal. I, you know, I never thought about, you know, what do I need to do to get to that next level? And that's what separates, you know, the the cream of the crop in college to the guys that go on to the next level. And that's definitely what I've noticed being around professional baseball is seeing these guys work out. You know, they have, like, the schedule that comes out every day. I'm sure you see it. It's like, all right, voluntary workouts here, this, this, and that. And then I go to the gym down there after I get off work at 530, and there's probably, like, four or five guys in there that are doing a second workout for the day. You know, it might not be overtaxing, but they're doing more than the other guy that's just like them that plays the same position as them that, you know, might get called up faster. It's that extra you know, that goes into being a ball player that I've learned separates, you know, the major leaguers from the guys that are trying to get there. It's crazy, man. Those guys are insane when it comes to this sport. You know, one thing that I want to know is, and you might have a little bit more insight being into, like, player development, left-handed catchers. It has been something that's like, oh, if you're left-handed, you're not allowed to catch. Why? Because people say, you, like I've heard, you might hit the batter whenever you throw it back. Okay, what happens whenever you're a right-handed catcher and there's a lefty? You know, throwing down to third base. Okay, well, whenever you pick off the first base as a right-handed catcher, you still got to do the same motion. Right. And so I still don't understand why is it such a down, you know, looked down upon. I might have an answer for you because it comes from like an old wise tale of baseball. See if mm-hmm. Brock agrees with me here. Yeah, go ahead. So 
I learned that like if you're a left-handed catcher and there's a play at the plate, right? Let's say the throw's coming in from right field, right center field, and down the line. If you were going to tag, I don't want to like stand up and ruin it, but like to say the plate's behind me and you were going to tag, you lose sight of the runner. As a part, is that, that was like yeah. a big reason that they don't want left-handed catchers because as a right-handed catcher, that ball's coming in. You're seeing it. Track it in. You have yeah. everything. You can see the runner coming in. You can see the ball coming in. You can see the field movement. But as a left-handed catcher, you kind of lose that as you're catching the ball and you lose the runner over the backside of your shoulder and you have to come back and try to find him again to tag. Yeah. That was like the, you know, like super wise tale of left-handed catchers. Like yeah. that's why it's not a taboo. I want to see your... I I think that's actually so right. Like, I think that's, like, one of the biggest things. And then also, like, I just feel like the throw to second base... You lose your side of the runner, too. Right, exactly. Your back is to the the runner. And, like, I just think that... I mean, you can work to turn the ball, like, more on the right side and let it obviously tail back in as a lefty. You just have that naturally. Yeah, I guess so your tail have to come, the ball. Right, yeah. See, I can understand that, so that like, by more then, than the tag, though. But then at that point, like, the ball actually has to travel further, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be slower, like, by just a little bit. Your pop time's going to be a little slower just because of, like, where you're throwing, and it, like, has to come back. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, just a little bit of tail. And, like, you know, it's just, like, always been one of the... To taboo, like the com- yeah. the commandments of baseball. Yeah, man. yeah. Like. but that's my thing. Is like okay, so I can understand the run of the ball a little bit. Same with like a lot of people in football; they don't like lefty quarterbacks because the spin of the ball it comes in your hands differently. Is what they say. I think that's kind of BS too. But um, <laughs> the tag thing, I get, but it's the same with a first baseman in terms of like a pickoff play. So, you know, if you're right-handed first baseman, then you're swiping across your body. Yeah. You could do the same thing as a catcher being left-handed and catching a ball and swiping across your body. You don't have to turn your back. Yeah, but what's more important here? Getting out at the plate, saving a run, or getting out at first base where they can sacrifice that a little bit if the guy can swing? I mean, yeah, but it's the same thing in terms of... I agree with you. I see see where you're coming from. I mean... You know, if you're standing in front of the plate, the ball's coming from right field. Technically, you're meeting the ball before it gets to you. As a right-handed catcher, you're catching it further in your body, so that's seconds or, you know, milliseconds or whatever. You're catching the ball before it gets to the plate, and then you're swiping with your right hand. With a right-handed catcher, you're catching the ball deeper in your body, so that's milliseconds. Yeah, you might be a little bit quicker dropping the tag down, but you're still... I mean, I feel like it's fractions of a second, and it doesn't make that big of a difference. But, dude, like, mm, at, it the does. Sa- at, at the same time, yeah, like, you would be so surprised and, like, just Yeah, this op- is, I'm also talking to a <laughs> developmental guy that's <laughs> looking at the data all the time. I mean, yeah, looking at the data is just, I mean, the optimization of baseball is, like, something like that, bro. They'd be on a heartbeat. They're like, dude, you're talking about, like, no, no catcher does this quicker than, no lefty catcher does this quicker than any righty catcher. Like, we'll never, we'll never get a lefty catcher. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what organizations organizations will say. They'd be like, and, "This is their problem." So thanks like, to Billy Bean, yeah. the Oakland Athletics. And I'm not, and I'm not an advocate for lefty catchers, but I still, I mean, we're discriminating, man. <laughs> and I'm a righty. Like, <laughs> it just how cool would it be to have a lefty lefty 
catcher, you know, left-handed throwing, left-handed hitting catcher in I the MLB. I couldn't. Like, I, I and just, Brian, you're a catcher, dude, but I don't think lefties have a problem with it. I don't think they want to catch. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, if, you, no. if you're a lefty, bro, you're either super big and you're going to play, play first, first base, base yeah. or you're going to throw really hard and screw hitting. Or, or really soft nowadays. That works, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a soft left-handed pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> or or you're going to play outfield and you better be pretty quick or you're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. So I you sh- either got to be quick, tall, or throw really yeah, your, hard. <laughs> your window is definitely a little more narrow than for the righties. I, I saw this article the other day, you know, you're in development. Um, I saw this. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was about the transition of how baseball – you know, from the 1990s, it was all about pinpoint accuracy from the mound. Like Tom Glavin, guys that could you just paint the corners yeah. and put it where they wanted it. Picasso. Yes. And it transcended all the way up to these flamethrowers that we have today. Like a Rollis Chapman, 107. You know, guys that just pop 101. That guy's old news now. Yeah, but still. He was, <laughs> what about he Aaron the, Hicks? Yeah, <laughs> right. Another Balanchy guy. That's what the, the games came turned into. I saw this article where it might go back to that. What do you like? You know, back to the pinpoint. You might have a lefty on the mound if there's 88, but he can put it exactly where he wants it. Do you do you see that in your you know development? No, no, no. It's all about the. It's all about gas. So, um, I think everybody can have their take on this. I don't think that there's a right and wrong. I don't know. I personally, I do think there's a right and wrong. But like okay. when you ask this question. Like it's right to say you're you're entitled to your own opinion, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm gonna give you guys three terms, and then I want you guys to like rank them in uh, order of importance for pitching. Okay. So it would be pitch design, uh, command. Pitch design meaning pitch design being like the way your ball, the way you like move the ball. Your stuff sets up off your stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. How you are able to? Uh, yeah, you got to use baseball terminology, man. I know. I, I'm, I'm not trying, a developmental like your, your guy. Run. I have so many things that go through my brain where I'm like, <laughs> I remember looking at the data and like, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> your pitch design, it. man. I'm. Not, I want to see that jump. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, drop the hammer, like. right? So your stuff, right? Like, and how that grades out. So that okay, that being that, and then command, okay, and velocity. Where do you think? What do you think? Or how do you think they rank? You want to go first? You is go first. It, yeah. So is first. this personal opinion or what Personal do, opinion, dude. I don't I don't care what you think an organization thinks. I don't care what you think I think. I want you to give me what you think as a fan of baseball, as a player, a catcher at one point of baseball thinks. Um, I mean, as a catcher, pre- I mean, Brian probably is like this guy. No, <laughs> he, he, it's fine. You, uh, you caught, you put the gear on. I have respect for it. Caught my whole entire life. <laughs> and then I, I went and played right field in college, and that's when Brian knew me. But um, honestly, like I'm preferring command over anything. Is if I can put a glove in a sp- certain spot, and you know, say you got the umpire behind you, and he's given an inch and a half off the plate, and I can set my glove up there, and boom, 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 and I'm getting calls that are balls every single day because of the way I, you know, perceive it, and I'm getting that call. I want command over anything. And so if, you know, if the guy's throwing a two-seam and it can run in two inches off the plate and I can set up on the inside corner and jam a guy every single time and he's hitting a spot or, you know, you got a scouting report of a guy that, you know, he's going to swing 0-2 at a high heat every single time, then I want you to be able to throw an 0-2 fastball at 90 miles an hour or however fast, depending on what level you're at, and hit that spot. After that, stuff is big too. Being able to command your stuff. 
is if you can drop in, you know, a slider off the table. If you're, you know, if you can command your off-speed pitches where you want to put them, that's a big thing as well. Um, velocity is important, and I'm sure the MLB is going to preach you got to throw heat, you know. But at the same time, if you can locate every single one of your pitches effectively with good movement, good spin rate, then I would take that over velocity any day. Because as a hitter, I know that's the hardest part. Is because if as a guy knows my weakness and he's going to drop in a changeup on the you know down and in corner and yeah. he's going to get me to roll over to third base yeah. every time, then. He might as well just throw three chains ups on on you know down and in on me and get me to roll over to third baseman. Right, and that is a big big part of command, right? Like if I have a scouting report on you and like I'm able to like execute that, no, that's that's huge. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. But okay. I also love 105 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> like that's cool too. So, yeah. Right. That plays. <laughs> listening to his answer, listening to his answer, I kind of got the catcher response, right? You know, I want my job to be easy. I want to be out there. Like, yeah, this guy's going to put it where. Now, I want to give you my response and respect if I was like a scout yeah. looking for a guy. Yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like what you want yes. for your organization so, to like succeed. Exactly. So, I agree with your response as a catcher. I 100% agree with what you just said. But if I was a scout, I want a guy that has good stuff first. I want to see, you know, a two seam fastball that might drop or move. Four or five inches. And I like, hated sinker ballers, man. <laughs> I hated sinker yeah, ballers. So, and I want to see a guy that can throw a curveball in the same arm slot as his fastball and it come out the same, you know, look and then just fall off the table. Um, so I think my number one would be pitch design. Number two, I want velocity. You can't teach velocity. We've all heard that as a as a player before. You know, guys are just gifted with that. You know, some guys develop into that. Some guys train into that. Um, and... <laughs> It just some guys are just blessed with that, you know. And then third, as I always heard, being around the ballpark, you can teach somebody where to throw it. You can't teach velocity, and you can't teach stuff. So I think my answer would be <laughs> pitch design, velocity, and then command as a scout looking there. This is exactly why I disagree with that because <laughs> I because I caught Zach Luff all through high school. <laughs> And Not this love, guy, man. this guy, he's a tall, goofy pitcher. One of our good buddies through high yeah, school, Brock yeah, and I. Oh, yeah. I mean, and he threw the ball hard. <laughs> I mean, just a heavy fastball. And he had a nasty 12-6 curveball. Yeah. But he had no idea where the yeah. son of a <laughs> like, gun was going. As a catcher, I would hate that. Yeah. I, like, I would, I would hate that. He was a scary inner squad. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was cold to January, February time when we would start doing those, dude. Inner squads, and then like our last year, Maddie, uh, Coach Dias, he'd put up the practice player or whatever, dude, and you'd see Luff's name on there. Like, oh, <laughs> don't oh. give me a four seam 88 mile an hour fastball <laughs> on the inside. The amount of baseball players out there relating to that story right now. Everybody yeah, has right. that one guy on their roster, no matter 100%. where you play at. Yeah. Dude, I mean, and he was good whenever yeah. he could locate his pitches. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. I mean, he would when he was on, and you know, you could set up a glove and be like, "All right, Luff, we're working the outer half," and you couldn't work, you know, the three sections by any means. You had to say, "Okay, we are working outer half, outer half, outer half, outer half," and your twelve six high school level, your twelve six is going to start at the levels, uh, the letters, and we want it at the knees every time. And if he could focus on one section and be like, "Okay, I'm not throwing inside fastball." 
I'm going to throw outside, outside, outside. He'd get zoned in, and he'd be good. Right. As soon as you start changing locations, he's overthinking, and he's hitting guys in the head. I saw him hit a guy in the head with an 88-mile-an-hour fastball straight to the dome. And when I say he might have been on the gun at 88, it felt like it was 94. It was like just, a, you know, a heavy fastball? Yeah, yeah like, had the, like a spin. He had the, the uh, bowling ball fastball. Dude, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like you, even with barrel, it just felt like it didn't go anywhere. It was just yeah. heavy. I mean, he had he carries, what you call it, right? So yeah. that's when, like, you have, like, you know, I was talking about a dead zone fastball. It would be like 15-15, right? Well, I mean, depending on his horizontal movement, could have probably been still like 15, which is fine, but he was probably carrying it up to like 20 inches of vert, which is like Garrett Cole does that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm it, ready for this the professional response. I want to see who's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to um, see who's right. He's going to say velocity over yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, so you are both wrong. Man, because like you guys both had different answers and I'm going to have a different answer. So it's, it's that's fine. It's just funny. But um, I, velocity is the most important. Oh, uh, I knew I should have. If close. you, if it, like there are just so many statistics out there about like how as the pitches come in harder, your um, expected numbers just plummet. Like, if you're able to – and it's not just the fastball, too, right? Like, yes, obviously, we're going to throw that 100-plus fastball. But, like, if I'm able to throw my slider at, like, low to mid-nines is what guys are doing <laughs> yeah, now, dude. Yeah. It's like, how do you hit that? I see bro? that. Like, when you're throwing that stuff, like, your stuff doesn't even have to be that good. If I'm throwing the slider at 95, good luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, with a foot or and a half break. Yeah, like. exactly, dude. <laughs> it's change like, up at 94. Yeah, right? It's like, and honestly, your stuff, it's hard to grade your stuff high when you throw that hard because it has less time to move. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> You're throwing so hard, right? Yeah. So, um, Unless if it's a slider, or a, you know, 12-6, that means your spin rate spinning more, so you'd have more break, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the pitch, right? Yeah, like, so if you have, like, a sweeper, um, the, the crazy thing, too, that I've learned is, like, there's not just a slider anymore, right? Like, yeah, you get the sweeping curve. You've got a gyro slider, you've got a sweeper, you've got a slutter, you've got a... I bet the slider cutter. Yeah. Yeah. There's one called like your insane sweepers that you see that you're like on TV, like, whoa, it is called the like, CC Sabathias. Yeah. They're called like the Chaz Rose. Like, dude, like they're just like, dude, they're called Hand of God. You know where <laughs> Hand of God slide. <laughs> I never heard that. That's yeah, good. That's crazy. good. Driveline, dude. They have like all their different breakdowns of like if you throw within um, this type of like this, this profile of slider, like they give you like a name for your slider. They're profiled that's, differently. That's you crazy. know where I've heard all these names from? Where? 2K6 MLB The Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was back in the day, PlayStation 2, it had slurve, and it has sweeping. Oh, yeah. And so whenever I said CC Sabathia, I always remembered he had a sweeping curveball from the left side. <laughs> hammer, hammer, <laughs> big old CC, 06, Yankees. Oh, yeah. What a OG. <laughs> nah, and he was nice, too. But, um, yeah, so velocity, it's like, there are all the statistics out there to show you that like your expected numbers go down as velocity increases. So that's why it's the most important. It's just like a given, you know, it's, it's just, that's the numbers. Yeah. Um, and then Damn, from there, it's close. And that's, <laughs> such close. The, that's such a new school way to yeah, look man, at it. Too. It is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, dude, it's like in any sport now it's adapt yeah. or die, man. Like, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm I saying? think it's just life. It's the business side of things that we were talking about, yeah. dude. Like we've got to make 
you know, results. We've got to make fans happy. And, you know, like you said, with the movement and everything like that, trying to hit a, you know, 94-mile-an-hour slider, that's extremely hard. But at the same time, you've got fans in there eating nachos being like, oh, my God, that was a 94-mile-an-hour slider. I've got to see this guy pitch again. Yeah. And, right. you know, they're buying tickets. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy, man. Like, it's it's honestly just so wild to me, like, what – the body can produce man like it's just baseball like i mean then i'm sitting here watching football dude and like sadly sadly and uh, like you just see so many injuries now but that yeah. i mean and now it's part I, of it yeah i don't get that deep into analytics of football and data of football but i mean that just has to be due to creating so much force in every hit that you have where you're cracking dudes dude <laughs> yeah. it's it's sad it's man. small it's, car accident impact every, almost every time right and so it comes back to like these guys are able to like produce so much force and that's what they practice and like work on every day in the weight room or whatever wherever they're at training that now it's like sports are crazy man like yes what people can do in sports is just unreal it's so yeah. different than it used to be you know so Let's go to this finish anyways, this answer because yeah, I, I want to go back oh, yeah, to that yeah, topic yeah. right we're, there. We're running on the yeah. uh, rabbit holes a little bit. Yeah, let me finish this up. So, velocity number one. Um, number two, the design. This is the pitch design. Damn it. Should have flipped those. Right. So, I think that uh, pitch design. So, to take it a step further, right, you, you can't just teach a slider to certain players, right? You can't mm-hmm. just teach a sinker to certain players because, like, they have anatomical preferences, right? So, like, their bodies are designed to throw certain things or not throw certain things. So, um, a quick a quick um, breakdown of just, like, the way your wrist presents, right? You're a pronator or a supinator. Yeah. Or some guys are more neutral, mm-hmm. right? So, if I'm a pronator and I have the ability to wrap my wrist inside uh, better than the next guy, right? Like, I would be able to pronate, which means that, like, I could throw a... Sp- Stock change up better than a supernator would, right? Yeah. But then you have... Uh, For listeners, supernators are coming from the outside. Like, right. for instance, exactly. whether you're throwing a slider, turning from the outside, rather than, like, a circle change or, you know, a neutral exactly. change where you're pronating in. Exactly, right? So, like, they naturally pronate in. It'd That's be Andy Pettit. would be a pronator. Yeah, right. And then, like, Tyler Glass now would be a super yeah. supernator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, or, like, the, I mean, I just had his name earlier. He played for the Rays, Chaz Rowe, man. Just unreal slider. But, yeah, he supinates crazy. Anyways, um, so, like, if I'm trying to teach a player, right, let's go um, throw me a changeup, right, and I'm just giving him, like, a stock changeup grip, and he's a supinator, dude. Like, I'm doing a disjustice to his development as a player. Yeah. Right? I see what you're saying. I'm saying, like, okay, like, you just change up, like, yeah, you go out there and throw in, like, you know, it doesn't look that great on track, man. Like, why? Like, why is our data, like, not, you know, present a good change up? Okay, let's let's do this in our mechanics, dude. That's always, like, the the first jump that a lot of these guys out here, man, in development, they'll, like, oh, like, you're not you're not doing this right. You're not doing, no, no, no. You're just not designed for it, right? Yeah. Your body's not designed for that. So, like, there's other ways that we can hopefully create a similar um, effect, to your repertoire, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think that's why it's so important to optimize your pitch design and things like that because, like, some guys just can't do certain things, you know? And, um, you know, also on top of that, it's like if we're laying hard and now our stuff moves efficiently, 
I'm creating chase. I'm yeah. Like, I don't even got to yeah. throw strikes, dude. Yeah. Like, if that thing's around the zone, yeah, you're swinging. You know <laughs> Especially with the reaction time guys yeah, have dude, nowadays. Like, yeah. You tell me, man, if I'm throwing, so you have, like, the end zone. You have the heart of the plate. Nowadays, when you have so much, like, in zone data or out of zone data also, you it's broken down differently now. So you have, like, the heart of the zone, mm-hmm. which is, like, the interior part. Then you have, like, the zone. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, the shadow zone. So the shadow zone is still, like, you know, graded to be good pitches. They're just out of the zone. just barely your borderline yeah right so like if i have a shadow like if i'm my end zone rate it's like i don't know average 42 percent 40 40 to 45 percent like but i'm in shadow zone like 20 percent higher than that and then i have like plus plus graded stuff with a hundred mile an hour fastball like you ain't hitting that i don't care about my strikes <laughs> <Yeah>. bro <laughs> you're swinging dude like yeah. i it, guess that's right yeah like look at somebody like blake trinan is uh was with the a's and then went to the dodgers and now he's like just an elite setup guy could be a closer for any team except for you know the dodgers <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started yeah right a whole other topic yeah. that we don't have to get into yet but um, $700 million. <laughs> oh, then follow it up with 350 yeah. to a guy that's never even stepped on a big league mound before. But I mean, or America. We're not getting into it. We're not getting into it. MLB mound. But yeah, no. Anyways, um, yeah, look at somebody like China, dude. He throws like almost 100, dude. He's got a turbo sinker that just has unreal life to it. Just, it's like just a beautiful pitch, dude. And then he throws a great slider off of that. And it's like, he's around this. If he's sniffing the zone, like. He's having a great night on the bump. Effectively you know? wild. Right. But if I have a guy like, I don't know, um, Lucas Giolito, just the first one come, okay. kind of comes to mind. Like, he's a guy that, like, will live around the zone a little more. But, like, his stuff, in terms of the MLB, Lucas Giolito, you're a great baseball player. <laughs> in terms of the MLB, like, his stuff just isn't, it doesn't play as well. So, and he's had some great years, though, too. He has. He has. But, you know, now recently it's kind of fallen off. And, yeah, big time. Um, definitely struggling to you know, adapt or die. So. Yeah. That's the same with uh, – I think that's kind of along what you were saying. That's what Lincecum – he was above uh, – like before his time. And so he was one of the flamethrowers guys, you know, two-time Cy Young winner, two-time, I believe, World Series champ. And then all of a sudden he just fell off the map. And I feel yeah. like – his velocity died, and his command wasn't there as well. Right. And so whenever his velocity was there, he could get chases. Yeah. But when his velocity died down, he couldn't get anybody out of the zone, and then yeah. all of a sudden he shaved his head and he was gone. You know? <laughs> literally, I mean, he had, literally, he just disappeared off the face of the planet, It was like it Samson like. in the Bible. Like, <laughs> the chick cut his hair, he lost his strength. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> ten lengths of him. Right. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's crazy that, like, I mean, yeah, you have to be able to, I mean, at some point, right, like these hitters, they do get the reports on you every single night. And yeah, sometimes your stuff is just so unhittable that like, they don't, I can tell you what's coming. And Garrett Cole's of the world, dude, I could tell you my fastball is coming. You are not hitting it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. you won't hit it. Like I'm that good. But then at some point, like he's going to lose a tick or two and it's like, okay, what are we going to develop now? Like, what are we going to learn? Like, what are we going to do? And that's why I think also player development is so unique. It's like it's not like once you make it, development's done. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, you made it, but like, you're still gonna have to learn new things. You're gonna have to adapt. You're gonna have to uh, pick up new things, stuff like that. So also never like ends. Maintaining your body as well. I mean, yeah. you know, you're 
say you're 140 games in. Right. You know, you might not be swinging the bat as you were on week two. 100%. That arm's going to be dragging a little yeah. bit more on the yeah, mound. Yeah, right, exactly. And so, and, you know, you talked about the weight room, about, you know, putting in your time, building the stamina and everything as well. I mean, it's development is so important, whether you're the best player in all of baseball or, you know, you're a guy that's barely scraping by and might get cut off the 40-man roster. Yeah. And it's it's so important to be able to, and I feel like this relates in life a lot, is you have to get better each and every single day. And you can't just allow yourself to be complacent on where you are and to keep striving to be the best person you possibly can be. You don't ever make it to this point in life where it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I made it and that's it. And I feel like any successful person will say that every single day they just take one step to be a little bit better. A little bit better. And we're talking about some of the best baseball players in the world. This is important because, you know, they take their job seriously. It's entertaining for us, but that's the same with, you know, some of the most successful people in the world, whether that's Bezos, whether that's Musk. Like, they take steps every single day to become the best person they possibly can be and the most successful they can be. So our final answer is velocity, pitch design, command. Yep. That is my final Final answer. answer. Yeah, definitely. Everybody can have their take on it. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would disagree, and there's a lot of people that probably would agree. There are. I mean, even when I was, like, um, kind of, like, getting in with the Tigers and stuff like that, like, people are like, you know what? Like, I don't agree. It's yeah. like, yeah, that's just... That's life. That's life, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's life. Sure. <laughs> it's like, baseball, period. <laughs> you know, he knows just as much baseball as me, more, less, who knows? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, your take on it. And it, at the end of the day, too, it's not like, okay, like... One is way up here. One is down. You know, no, they, they they hold each other's hand. It's like yeah. you know it's like what I'm this saying. Close to each other, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like if you have to, right? Yeah. You're gonna yeah. put a gun to my head. Like I got yeah. pick yeah. one. Like that's. I'm glad you asked that question. That's that that sparks some really good conversation topics, right? Definitely, there. right? And that's kind of interesting. That we kind of we all three had different takes on it. Yeah, I think that's the coolest part about yeah. it. Is yeah. like in my brain, dude. I'm like. They gotta say what I'm thinking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they gotta. But then we all come up with different things, and like, I like what you said was really good. And I was like, I've really never thought of it. I mean, like I've thought of it, but like, it kind of just gets like pushed away in my mind because I'm like, yeah, command is important, but like, yeah, I see that. You know, it's I, the Braves I, coming out of me, man. <laughs> yeah, like, come right. on now, yeah, come yeah, on exactly. now. <laughs> so. That's kind of cool. Like all this goes into baseball. I'm sure our listeners are learning a lot Definitely, through this. Yeah, for sure. um, I've learned a lot through it too. Yeah. Uh, my next question, you know, you mentioned earlier with like the team, you mentioned some really good teams, um, like the Astros and the Rays and all these teams that kind of has established success. You know, the Braves throughout these past couple of years. Do you think that's attributed to the guys like you of their organizations do you think like they're developing <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's all of my guys no. do you think like the development developmental team the guys that work with the dsl the dominican league all the way up to the mlb do you think that's kind of you know what's pushed these organizations ahead for on the field performance like they're they're a way to you know break down the data and use everything to their advantage and I'm going to add to that too, or, you know, like you said, the development of these players, or is it the scouts finding the guys that fit best for the team that obviously are great prospects and fit well with the team's, you know, game plan of what they want to do. Right. I think that um, every part and aspect of an organization grows together. Yes. 
I don't think that you can attribute like one. Yes, a development has gone come leaps and bounds from where it was. Mm. So scouting. Yeah. So scouting. Yeah. Guys Especially are, where they can get connected quick I mean, nowadays. I don't know how much you guys like know about like international baseball, but like now like there are guys that you go scout in like the KBO leagues and like the, the Korean baseball leagues and then like in Japan and dude and like it's crazy. You wouldn't even believe how young they start to like go over there and like go see these guys play and get video and like stuff like that. Dude, like, there's some 14 year old catcher that signed with the Padres like right. a year ago. How does yeah. that work? It's just like through uh, your international scouting. Um, they go over there, they have camps and stuff like that, and they kind of just go find their guys. I mean, at the end of the day. But how does a 14 year old get signed? Like, how does that work? Well, basically, when, when they get signed, it's not like they're like wearing Padres. You know, yeah, that's what I'm day. saying. Like, they, it's not like they're going to spring training or anything. Is it just, like a commitment? Quote yeah, unquote? it's like a commitment, I would say. I think that's more so of what you would want to say. Now, granted, like, there's. You know, different. It's not the same in terms of like in football or in sports. You just like have a verbal commitment, right? Yeah. Like it's it's a little more signed documents from there. But like this guy is going to play for the Padres one day, or the organization. They have the rights to the players. Yes, yeah, yeah that's what I'm trying. You to know say. what I'm saying? Okay. And then we, the organization, tracks their progress, make sure they're developing and things like that. But it's not like they're like wearing like a uniform. Yeah, that's you know what, what I was saying? trying to figure out. It's like, okay, so you're going to pull a 14-year-old from, you know, Korea and right. bring him all the way over and put him in spring training against a 26-year-old. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, that's why I'm no. like, so do they, they have, like, different farm leagues over there? That's why I always wondered, like, okay, you know, the New York Yankees signed 12-year-old Luis Gonzalez or, you know, whoever, and – like, how did that work until they're 18 or 16 or whatever? Or you even hear stories about guys that are in the minor leagues that are, like, 17, 16, 17 years old that are, you know, international. Yeah, I mean, you have organizations. Every organization has, like, um, their own, like, internal database where they, like, keep track of things that you wouldn't even believe, dude. Like, uh, like you could pull up kids – uh, just a great example, and uh, this, I don't want this to like take me off topic, but like Walker Jenkins was the fifth pick in the last draft. I believe it was like number five. Went to the Twins, I believe. They have video of him as a swimmer, like because he was a swimmer just at his high school. Body movement and stuff? I think a little bit of that, but it's just like, yeah, part of just like his scouting process. And like he was a high school swimmer and he was an elite That's high crazy. school swimmer. Yeah. So like, isn't that crazy? Like how? Yeah. Up, but then they have like obviously video through like all of their high school stuff and all like all their perfect game data, like our numbers and stuff like that is all in there and you know all that stuff, all the way down to the, you know, probably freshman year, eighth grade maybe depending on. So well. like with all these questions, branching back to my main question yeah, to ask, it, seen, it sounds a lot like with your answers that like data and scouting are like. Hand in hand, like they go together in sense of picking these guys and what Definitely. they have, and then the developmental side comes from the data driven, you know, stuff that they're seeing how to get better, and the scouts are finding the guys that have the basic tools of what it takes to make it at that level. Quote unquote basic. They, you know, <laughs> it's all above basic, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just messing with you. And I think it's just like the, I'm honestly amazed, at like how. I mean, obviously, it's it's kind of cliche to say that, like, it's like a team. Yeah. yeah. It is a team. But, like, 
the organization, you really feel like all aspects are like holding hands together and like really going yeah. through it together. And that starts from up top all the way to the top, man. Like the guys that are up top, guys and girls now, um, that are at the top, like making decisions and like implementing like what we're looking for that trickles on all the way through every single part of the organization. I completely agree with that. You know, yeah. like, and it's like honestly amazing. And, but it's almost like you, you see like what they're going for and that's where they fully attack and stuff like that. So it, it basically full circle is just, yes, I think that development has come like so far, but it's really just like, baseball organizations sport has just become so 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 much yeah rightfully so dude you see these dollar signs getting oh yeah 700 million like, for one guy yeah, exactly like, so it's like if you have that kind of talent somewhere overseas in iowa dude who knows where they're at it's yeah. like you want to go find them and make sure they're your own they're on your team so well brock you know with with all of this being said, and it's been a great episode, we've we've been doing. I've learned a lot, yeah, especially from the developmental side. Definitely, and uh, we've been doing a bunch of snap questions in this throughout periodic um, episodes, and we've kind of tailed off from a little bit of that. But I want to know one snap question, and we'll kind of wrap it up That's from fine. there. Um, as a hitter, what is the hardest pitch to hit in baseball? Because for the longest time, it's been a fastball low and away. Yeah, right. That's what everybody says. Not mine. Mine was a slider. I couldn't touch one. <laughs> That's very true. I couldn't touch one. <laughs> oh, man. Sport. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, personally or like just four hitters? From analy- analytically side, looking at it, what's the hardest pitch in a professional to hit? The best answer I can give you. Is it? It depends, and that's such a lame <laughs> answer, dude. But it's like you know, like I told you like earlier, it's like okay, yeah, you can have the best carry fastball in the game. You could have Garrett Cole's fastball, right? Yeah, because every pitcher is different. But if you it's don't have being any, the yeah, unique, if, side. if you don't have something to work off of it, like that fastball is good, but yeah. gonna, you know, it's not that good anymore because you don't have something that I fear on the other side. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, but but to give a an answer, I would say. uh the turbo sinker is just stupid. Um, who's the guy, man? Uh, I said it. Duran. Duran for the um, yes. twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, he's it's, got the most. It falls off the table. Yes. That comboed. Well, not is comboed, but just like that or Devin Williams changeup is change-ups just absurd. Tough, it's absurd. He throws the highest graded changeup in baseball, and it is it's, it's unreal. It's it's crazy. See, for me, like, hitting, like, growing up and everything, I could always hit off-speed pitches in terms of, like, curveball. Let me rephrase that. I could always hit curveballs and sliders. But if a guy had a high velo fastball and a good changeup, dude, I was done for. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite, man. I was like, always done for. I could sit dead right on something. That I, yeah. If I saw 100, I'm if it ain't moving, I could hit that. Right, like, I just right. got to throw my hands. Right. But, dude, it would be, like, the guy that would – pump 94 on the inside of the half and i'd yeah. be on time and i'd foul it off damn it there's my <laughs> fastball and then he comes back with a slider that's four balls off the plate and i'm already swung finished my swing by the time the ball gets to the mid yeah right. that was my that was my biggest see my thing is like i could hit a fastball as well like you thought me a fastball everybody's geared everybody can hit a fastball right yeah. like if you're an above average player 
you can hit a fastball. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, 85 or 94, or, you know, 98. Like, if you're sitting dead red fastball and you're, you know, a good ball player, you can hit that. Right. The problem is, like you're saying, is the stuff afterwards. I always feared staying on my backside and whenever, you know, a pitcher could develop and some pitchers, like, I was good at picking up on whether he was throwing a 12-6. 12-6, you know, your elbow's coming first, you're coming right over the top, you're seeing two fingers, you can see that 12 spin spin rate coming right off the top. Yeah. You know, slider, same way. A lot of guys will drop their, shoulder, their arm slot on a slider ripping across. And so I could always pick up on that on a change-up, man, because some people throw that, you know, whatever you call it, your stock change-up or your three-finger change-up where – Splitter now. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same arm slot, and it just comes in about eight, nine miles an hour slower. Yeah. It just got me every time. And if you could locate that change-up, you really had me. I mean, I'm rolling over every day or I'm <laughs> 10 feet out in front. Yeah, definitely. Brock, it's been I've learned so much today. Yeah. This has been a good one. Yeah, definitely. This has been a great one. Yeah, it's been a blast, man. I I so much more enjoy this episode where we can one have you in person right. and two, you know, you went to school to study um, and get a degree to be able to do something that you absolutely love to do. You know, cheerleading was fantastic. It was a great season in your life and you loved being able to do that. You didn't never you never expected to be able to right. cheerlead at the University yeah. of Florida um, coming from Eckerd playing baseball. But it was a uh, it was a pleasure to be able to see you in both stages of life and be able to get your uh, you know your perspective from it. Yeah, dude, I'm, you're welcome on our show anytime to talk more <laughs> about this stuff. I love yeah, this right? stuff. I mean, dude, it's like you could talk about this all day long. I told you before the show started, but talking about like looking at our internal database, dude, you go down the rabbit hole, man, <laughs> and you don't come back for a while. Like, <laughs> you learn so much, but yeah, it's it's. It's awesome. One one quick fun fact about Brock. Um, we would, you know, have classes together in high school, and he would always have his computer set up. Hey, bro, you see the game last night? I said, no, Brock. It was at, <laughs> you know, 10, 10, 10, California. You know, the Dodgers were playing. Like, it was a Wednesday night on a school night. I just got done playing practice. No, I didn't see the 10, 10 game. <laughs> and he's pulling up data. He was like, oh, you know, like, yada, yada, yada. He went this for this. And I was like, okay. And I look over, and he's pulling up the damn MLB short games or whatever where it flipped through each yeah, highlights. Man. And I'm like, Brock, man. And then, you know, it's kind of cool to see it come all full circle. You know, you're yeah. looking at at data and uh, or data or however you want to pronounce it um, from the newspaper and everything and then looking at it now where you're in you know professional sports being able to you know do what you love to do yeah man. it's it's definitely been really cool man yeah I, I'd sit there in study hall and just watch every condensed game there was <laughs> every day every day but yeah man it's just that obsession I said it also before it was just like I knew I had to be in baseball or sports at least because if not like I just don't think I was doing it right if you know yeah so I and that comes to where we talked about, like, in sports, man, you kind of just got to – you got to pick up and go. And, like, you know that this is what you love, and you hold on to that. And sometimes, like, when you go – like, when I was in Philly, man, time was – you know, it kind of got – was, like, dry for a while for me, dude, like, being away from home and stuff like that. But, you know, you know what you, you're doing. You love it. So, yeah. it's well, been awesome. Absolutely. Um, guys – Brock will be on our social medias that we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube episode will be on YouTube and Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can stream your platforms. If you have any questions for him, I'm sure once he gets through his busy work day or maybe through his busy life, it seems like with the MLB, he might be able to answer. I'm not going to make any promises to you guys out there, but um, give us a follow. You'll be able to see Brock's, you know, profile there too on our pages. Um, 
Keep up the rates on Spotify. We're up to, I think, 15 or 16 replies on our, you know, star ratings. And we're still a five-star partner, which is a pretty big deal. That means we're doing something right. <laughs> um, we uh, appreciate all the following so far. We appreciate the support. Uh, keep liking and subscribing. Keep following us on Spotify. It really helps us boost us in the algorithms. And, uh, man, it was a fun episode. Yeah, man. Super excited. We'll see oh, y'all. Wait, 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 wait. Thursday, February 1st, you need to catch my partner right here on the world premiere of Farmer Wants a Wife Season 2. Farmer Nathan's making his national TV debut. I can't wait to watch it. I know Brock's probably stoked to watch it. So excited to see my boy on TV. (laughs) Yes. So please tune in. If you support the podcast, tune in to Fox uh, 8 o'clock, right? Nine. Nine o'clock on Eastern Fox. Time. Eastern time. Thursday night. Dude, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. we'll see y'all <laughs> next week. <laughs>